0: So here we are again, ladies and gentlemen, it's Chappie, the British butler, and it's actually Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode number 82. Now, I know I'm very bad mathematically. Um, I, I do have an abacus, but I don't believe I've learned how to count yet. I mean, we, I mean, I've mean i learned Latin. I've learned how to uh, set a dinner table with the fish fork on the right side. I mean. Many different things. Obviously, how to boil, wash white gloves, and get all the dirt and stains out of those. Um, press a shirt. How to use starch properly. All of these. But mathematics has never been a strong suit. So it is. Keep calm and call Episode number eighty-two. And here we are again. And literally, here we are again because I'm going to let you into a little secret, a little butler secret. I recorded this podcast or. 20 minutes of this podcast about an hour ago, and I've lost it. It's disappeared into the ether. Now, if you see the episode 82 part A on eBay, I mean, it's probably selling for millions. I mean, there's is an auction, I would say, and um, people are putting high bids in it because it's, it's like the Holy Grail or the. Uh, you know, or Aaron's rod that was struck into the ground in Somerset in England and sprouted roots and ended up in the Ark of the Covenant. The original episode 82 part A is like the lost Ark of the Covenant, or maybe the Colossus of Rhodes' hand that he held his flaming orb in the air across the uh, across the harbour in uh, Rhodes in the greek islands i mean it's entirely possible that uh, that the episode it could be in uh, the colossus's uh, glowing orb and if you find it let me know because i mean i'm intrigued to listen to it again but to see if the, if the episode 82a is actually better than this episode 82b but believe it or not the podcast is not scripted I think, oh god you're pulling my leg Chappie. yes it, it really it, it is not scripted i promise you <laughs> i mean how can you script this nonsensical ramblings of a of a of a caffeinated butler and I'm, I'm even more caffeinated now and i actually had to stop and have muesli so i have pieces of muesli stuck stuck in my te- teeth so muesli is like a, a mixture of flakes oats cornflakes, raisins I mean, it's sort of old people's food. My dear dad loves it. So uh, yeah, I am turning into my dad. I'm even pressing down the backs of my slippers these days. So th- this edition is already completely different to the first edition. It is the 1st of May, Petticoat Day. I do have a uh, waffle thin petticoat under under my shorts at the moment. So the, the, the petticoat is under the shorts. It's protruding down the bottom. It's, it's silkish. So it feels good on the skin. Uh, but you do have to sort of, on petticoat day, you do have to flash a petticoat. So I'm gonna go to the window now. I'm gonna open the blinds up. And there we go, I flash my petticoat. And some old woman across the way has just had a heart attack. So uh, I hope your maypoles are m- almost erect. May- maybe they're not fully erect. Maybe, maybe in the afternoon you-, you have trouble getting your maypole up uh i hope that mine is up and i am uh, i am dancing frolicking around the maypole as we speak like uh, like one of ophelia's uh, or pro- no probably oberon or titania's fairies in the midsummer night's dream that's how i'm frolicking at the moment do you know a bank while wild time blows or where oxlips and nodding violets grow quite over canopied with luscious woodbine with sweet musk roses and with eglantine so that's all the only couplet that i remember of shakespeare um so i do know i do know some rhyming couplets and i think i know the high Women by alfred lord tennyson but they're the only ones i can uh, can recite and repeat here so here we are again uh saturday afternoon it's getting later now than it was earlier i hope to finish the podcast a little bit earlier uh, but uh, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about, and this is a, a running sort of ad-lib script, and uh, as I said uh, before, sometimes we throw out some of the features as we're going along here, but they will end up in one of the podcasts in the near future. Don't, you know, nothing gets thrown away, we, 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 we call this podcasting compost that all of, the, all of the features on the podcast will appear at some point, in some form. So do not worry. We're not wasting here. We're not cutting away fat. We're boiling up the fat and using it to cook the potatoes. And it really is true meat and potatoes, uh, this, uh, this podcast, uh, Keep coming Cauliflower Cheese. So let's have a look at what we may be talking about today. So yesterday we talked about... I I had a little bit of congestion, so I rubbed some English mustard under my nostrils and all over my body and on my feet laterally, Um, and I feel feel pretty darn good today, I have to say. So uh, if you want to listen back to the podcast, uh, yesterday there was a sort of English mustard running through it, Uh, yeah be careful listening to it because some of the mustard may, may have emanated from the podcast onto your ears and that and your ears can be quite sensitive and tender so be careful with that and also I talked about how I have to have my legs raised constantly uh, but today do you have any fine china or pretty bad china uh, or crockery that you want to get rid of if you're moving if you're moving house, so I'm moving Chappie Towers very soon and uh, we're going to be setting up shop somewhere else uh, it'll be still wonderfully sound and uh, sounding incredibly professional. And, you know, I, I do use Goose Down around the microphone to make everything sound better. Um, but uh, do you have any crockery? You know, has it been an awful week and you need to get rid of some crockery? I will be giving you some, a game that really will feel very therapeutic and help you when it comes to getting rid of the crockery. Uh, so... Did you hear the Bob Dylan song, Blowing in the Wind? I heard it on an advert a little bit earlier today and uh, what it really means to men. Uh, Wonder of the crispy chip pieces at the end of the chippy bag. Uh, We'll be celebrating May Day. Uh, We may be looking at Scooby-Doo being a rite of passage. That's a possibility as well. Uh, We never hit the wonders of the movie Top Secret, a 1984 movie that is rather special. Uh, And also I saw Nature, and spirituality coming together, I saw an anthill that made me think, what's going on here? Another mystery of nature, mystery of spirituality uh, here on Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. Also different types of bad breath. We'll be going through it and uh, you know, really examining what sorts of bad breath uh, some of the worst, most insipid uh, in the world. Uh, my father's been overlooking a, a, block, a block toilet and a block pipe in the uh, local uh, vicinities uh, in uh, in Norfolk in the UK. Food critic Jonathan Meads launches a defense of cultural appropriation. Uh, Richard Browning's jet suit to target ship uh, hijackers. Um, how to cut the environmental impact of what you eat. Exhausted middle-aged women still want sleep, not, not sex. As of yesterday, they still want to sleep and not to have sex. Uh, also, a social dilemma. Uh, a social lo- dilemma did occur... Uh, when somebody sent me a picture of some rather holy boxer shorts. Uh, not the religious holy, but holy uh, boxer shorts. And uh, we never really looked at uh, high blood pressure and trying watermelon juice as well. Maybe we'll be trying that, but my blood pressure is highly raised uh, because of messing up the first uh, edition of uh, 82. It's 82A, this is 82B of Keep Calm Collar Cheese. Uh, but there we go, that's the podcast. Um, it, It really is like a second coming, it's coming around again, this episode of the podcast, the esteemed Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, coming around again. So the food critic, Jonathan Meads, launches a defense of cultural appropriation. In the kitchen, as in literature, one should also pursue excellence rather than authenticity. Jonathan Meads, a critic and commentator, has launched a robust defense of cultural appropriation, arguing that chefs and writers alike should be free to experiment outside of their direct experience. Without cultural appropriation, there is only stagnation, says Meads, warning that customs will pass down unchanged from one blinkered generation to the next, unless they are refreshed by external influence. In his 50-year-old career, Meads has built a reputation of being one of uh, Britain's most acerbic and insightful public intellectuals, ranging over topics as uh, diverse as uh, architecture, gastronomy and uh, geography, and he worked at the Times as restaurant critic for a number of years. In an interview to promote his new essay collection, Pedra and Ricky Come Again, Meads was asked for his views on the modern obsession with authenticity. In recent years, prominent chefs have faced criticism for appropriating recipes from other cultures without crediting their inspiration, while authors have been cancelled for their efforts to tell stories about communities of which they're not a part. Meads, 74, who now lives in France, described the debate about cultural appropriation as essentially frivolous. He suggested that British chefs should focus on ensuring that French-style casseroles taste good rather than fretting about them being true to the dish's origins. A cassoulet made in London ought not to worry the guardians of authenticity because it is attempting the impossible. He told a uh, cultural website the authentic cassoulet is made in Ock, no it's made in Toulouse, no it comes from Cassanay, hang on it's an old true Gascon in the uh, 12th arrondissement of Paris and how about Chez Philippe near the uh, Canal Saint-Martin? Excellence is worth pursuing. Authenticity is chimera. Uh, Mead's was equally dismissive of the drive to eradicate cultural appropriation in literature, describing it as an order to shut out doubt and shut down the imagination. He questioned the movement, what the movement would have made of Joe Busquette, an early 20th century French poet who wrote his greatest work while paralyzed by the war wound, isolated from the outside world. If say you suffered like Busquette, who uh, was rendered paraplegic by a sniper's bullet in the First World War and spent the rest of his life in a single darkened room, you would have to write about that room and nothing else. As it was that room through, it was a prison of sorts and was escaped with every word he wrote. The logic of the anti-cultural appropriation activists also forbid most modern writers from attempting to put themselves inside the poet's mind. If you do not suffer paraplegia, you're unfit to write about Joseph Biscuit. The Bon Appetit of food magazine owned by Condé Nasté was attacked by commissioning white chefs to record video guides on making dishes such as pho and kimchi. An audit commissioned by the BBC Good Food and Olive, two of Britain's leading uh, food magazines, led to recipes with broad stroke language such as Asian salad being amended. And Nigella Lawson upset Italians in 2017 after she suggested adding cream to a carbonara when raw eggs were normally used. One fan said on social media, Nigella, you're a wonderful woman, but your recipes are the death of Italian recipes literally. Another wrote, heavenly tasting, but it's not carbonara. It seems like they're all trying to make plans for Nigella now. So I saw a lovely uh, article, a recipe, uh, risotto with asparagus and watercress. But where the bugger can I find watercress in America? That's the key. Uh, and the question is: Is upland cress the same as watercress? Upland cress isn't actually watercress, but looks uh, like watercress. Usually sold with the roots still attached. Upland cress has the same flavour and nutrient density as watercress, but the stems are thinner. Um, so the different types of watercress: uh, you've got a garden cress, spicier flavour, like a horseradish. Upland cress, thinner stems and more delicate flavour. Additionally, what's the point of cress? Garden cress can be added to soups, sandwiches, salads for its tangy flavour, also eaten as sprouts uh, and fresh as uh, dried seed pods can be used as a peppery seasoning. Um, And what does it taste like? Uh, It's similar to like mustard plants uh, or wasabi. Uh, Once cooked, the pepperness of watercress diminishes, leaving a distinctive vegetable flavour and a delicious addition to soups and stews and stir fries. And what is it called in America? Oh, watercress can also be called cress, and it's part of the mustard family. But I still haven't found any cress anywhere either. I mean, watercress is actually a wonder food, and uh, it's like eating away to a facelift. A study has shown 10 out of 11 females experienced visible improvements to their skin. 7 out of 11 saw improvement to their wrinkles. Watercress contains more vitamin C than oranges, four times more better carotene than vitamin A than apples, tomatoes, and broccoli. So if you want to roll back the years, forget expensive lotions and potions, reach for a bag of watercress. So the old adage of beauty coming from women is borne about by a new study. 10 out of 11 female volunteers experienced visible improvements to the skin after four weeks of adding one bag of watercress uh, to their diet. Uh, the women's aged from 23 to 58 began the trial by having their faces photographed using Visia complexion analysis, which gives the subverses. Uh, sub, um, sur- subsurface reading of the individual skin and focus on wrinkles texture uh, the balance between oily and dry areas after four weeks of eating 80 grams of watercress a day the volunteers had their skin reassessed by the vizier camera and the results were extremely positive the majority of women also reported increased energy levels something that i definitely need this afternoon i think uh, they're also allowed to eat their daily quota of watercress in any way salad sandwiches or whizzed into smoothies Uh, And then uh, 39% saw improvement in their wrinkles, 13% improvement in their skin texture, and 5% reduction in brown spots, uh, and 18% 18 improvement in the levels of bacteria. They were thrilled by the results of the trial and the standard at how their skin improved in every aspect. Um, but throughout history, eminent philosophers and doctors have revered the health benefits and properties of watercress, from the pharaohs of Egypt to the ancient Greeks and Romans and Anglo-Saxons. Um, and also, watercress is a rich source of beta carotene needed to quench free radicals that can cause damage to the skin cells. So there we go. I mean, you should, uh, you should forget an orange if you want your flesh and your skin uh, being much, much healthier as well. I mean, Watercress is the way to go. I just need to find out where the hell I can get it. So I was watching the Indian Premier League uh, this morning. The Chennai Super Kings were playing in Mumbai uh, Indians. Uh, lovely match. Love watching uh, a couple of the, my England favourites, uh, Moan Ali, Sam Curran playing in the, uh, for the Super Kings. Uh, Moan's such an elegant, uh, destructive player. And he played very, very well this morning. Uh, And I've only recently got into 2020 cricket. I do prefer it in its sort of purest form like Test Match Cricket. But uh, very, very enjoyable and a very exciting competition. And uh, I'm sure it's giving a lot of hope to uh, all the people being ravaged by uh, COVID in India at the moment. Absolutely awful. But during the commercial break, I did see and hear an advert. And it was uh, an advert which had the Bob Dylan song Blowing in the Wind lyrics. And it made me think, you know, am I doing enough to be a, be a man here? And it's and the lyrics go, how many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? I mean, do do my ten thousand steps a day count? I mean, does that is that enough walking uh, to be called a true man? Or do I have to uh, get rid of the pink shorts? You know, something along those lines. And how many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand now i have you know tried sleeping in the sand before and got a rather sandy bottom you know sand crack in the bottom sandy cracks are not fun but doves can just shake that off from their feathers so um and uh, how many times and very this is very poignant must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned i mean obviously as uh, poignant and as relevant as as ever But I do feel that I'm not doing enough, you know, maybe I have to raise things to 20,000 steps to be a true man, you know, but even if I get a blister, I have to like suffer through, as Bob Dylan wrote in his song, Blowing in the Wind. Okay there, people. So, have you had a tough week? Have you had some struggles? Do you want to get out some angst? Do you need to maybe go and see a therapist, but don't want to? But wanna release your tension in other ways? Well, I found the perfect way. If you're moving house, and moving house is, is, is very, is a very crazy and, and very tiring and stressful thing to do. But you know, I found over the course of the last week or two, some crockery, some china, some fine china, and some pretty bad china uh, that I've that I found. That I think, what? Why have I even got this here? So why have I even got this? So I found a way of. Releasing the tension, basically. So I took two of my least favourites. Uh, one was a bowl, which was a commemorative bowl. And uh, one also was uh, a, a, a it was a, a cup of sorts that had something embossed on it. So I took both of these. And I took one of uh, Maggie's gnawed, gnarly knuckle bones. You know, everybody should have a knuckle bone. I'm not like some sort of cannibal I've been collecting these bones. But, you know, I've got a corgi that chews uh chews forever um and uh, the knuckle bones seem to go down a treat i mean a prehistoric rhinoceros probably uh, uh that would, would chew on a knuckle bone less than maggie or even a tyrannosaurus rex or a raptor would uh, would would need less knuckle bones than than this uh, than this little rather feisty corgi so anyway i took the knuckle bone and i took uh the crockery that i absolutely hated. And, uh, and I, I decided I would uh, try to get rid of it. So anyway, uh, for those of you listening on the audio version, uh, we're going to go straight into the clip that I recorded earlier in a rather, rather hot garage. I didn't want to disturb the neighbours and they didn't want to see me throwing around some sort of uh, primeval uh, bone uh, in like some sort of aggressive croquet game. Yeah, I, d- I didn't want them to see that. So I went into the garage and uh, I'll tell you what ensued after this you just call it breaking down Welcome ladies and mantelpieces to the inaugural competition of bad crockery bone bowls it's chappy your dear host here and um the mercury is hitting 85 nearly 90 actually in this uh, in this garage garage Um, and we're going to play the inaugural competition uh, so th- this is what you do. Basically, if you have any old crockery that's rather distasteful or you don't like very much, um, and you want to get rid of it before you have to move, then you take one pretty large beef knuckle bone that the dogs chewed on, and you put your crockery bowls, china, fine china, bone china, whatever you want, and you put it at the other end of the garage or in the garden. I mean, it could be like patong French bowls, or uh, as I said, I don't want to wake up the neighbours, so I'm uh, I'm going to start this inaugural competition. So, I first of all I have a a, a mug embossed with Valentine's Day. Now, this isn't because of my distaste of love or romance or anything else, but just want to get rid of this. So, in my right hand, I hold this rather chewed and gnarled gnawed bone that uh, Maggie the corgi's been chewing on, and I'm going to toss it over to the bowl and we're going to see if we can break it and then obviously as we do these days in greenland recycle so here we go i'm tossing the bone a nice loopy one <laughs> all right that's a complete miss that uh, that hit the old bed rails that uh, that i keep in the doghouse at the back if i ever have to sleep in the garage so here we go again back to the starting point this could be an olympic game so i, I have the piece of bone in my right hand Oh, it hit the bowl. It went into the bowl. So that's probably worth uh, a double 20 or something if we're going with darts. All right, well, I'm tossing it up like petanque, so I'm now going to try to uh, just throw it. Oh, there we go. It's completely disintegrated, and the rather Distasteful uh, China Valentine's Day Cup is no more a little bit like uh, a or uh, French Bulls or, uh, you know, Crown Green Bowls, I suppose, as well. So uh, that was the first part of uh, Bad Crockery Bone Bowls, as I like to call it. So we went back into the incredibly hot, overheated garage uh, for the second part of Bad Crockery Bone Bowls. So here we go. Back to Chappie. And we have the second round of Bad Crockery Bone Bowls. Uh, Here in uh, Chappie the Butler's uh, Chappie Towers, the little extension, the doghouse extension, where I often sleep if I've uh, been a very naughty boy. So anyway, we have a, um, this is actually a memorial bowl uh, from uh, Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump's wedding. It has, uh, Trump, when he had a little bit more hair, Ivanka, or sorry, uh, Ivana looking like, it could be Ivanka, I suppose, Ivana looking like Ivanka. This is many, many moons ago. Before they, uh, before they wrestled over the d- divorce proceedings. Here we go. So we have the bone again in the right hand. I can only throw with the right. The left, uh, i a little bit cack-handed. and not used to using both hands. So here we go. We have the bone in the hand. Uh, it's already disintegrated the, uh, the uh, cup that was embossed with Valentine's Day. And we're going to try to break the Ivana uh, and Donald Trump memoriam, uh, memoriam bowl and there we go, ladies and mantelpieces. The Donald Trump Bowl in one fell shot, one fell swoop, is disintegrated and no more. And that is the end of Bad Crockery, Broken Balls. It is May Day. So I hope you're dancing around your Maypole, frolicking around the Maypole rather frivolously. And uh, many folklore customs have their roots planted firmly back in the Dark Ages, when the ancient Celts have divided their year into four major festivals Beltane or the fire of Bell had particular significance to the Celts as it represented the first day of summer and was celebrated with bonfires to welcome the new season. Still celebrated today, we perhaps know Beltane better as May the First or May Day. Down through the centuries, May Day has been associated with fun, revelry and perhaps most importantly of all, fertility. The day would be marked with village folk cavorting round the Maypole, the selection of the May Queen and the dancing of the figure of the Jack and the Green at the head of the procession. Jack is thought to be a relic from those enlightened days when our ancient ancestors worshipped trees. These pagan roots uh, did little to endear those May Day festivities with either the established church or state. In the 16th century, riots followed when May Day celebrations were banned. 14 rioters were hanged and Henry VIII is said to have pardoned a further 400 who had been sentenced to death. The May Day festivities all but vanished following the Civil War when Oliver Cromwell's army and his Puritans took control of the country in 1645, describing Maypole dancing as heathenish, vanity generally abused to superstition and wickedness. Oh, Oliver's army. You'll be pleased to hear that with May Day, dancing did not return to the village greens uh, until the restoration of Charles II, the Merry Monarch helped ensure the support of his subjects with the erection of a massive 40-metre, wait for it, Maypole in London Strand. That's one large Maypole, baby. This pole signalled the uh, return of fun times and remained standing for 50 years. Maypoles can still be seen in the village greens of Welford-upon-Avon and Dunchurch, Warwickshire, both of which stand all year round. Borwick in uh, Yorkshire claims the largest Maypole in England, that's the Dirk Diggler of Maypoles, uh, standing 30 metres in height. May Day is still celebrated in many villages with the crowning of the May Queen. The gentlemen of the village may also be found celebrating with the Jack of the Green, otherwise found in signs of pubs across the country called the Green Man. Uh, May Day traditions in southern England include the hobby horse that still rampage through the towns of Dunstan Minehead in uh, Somerset and in Padstow and Cornwall. The the horse of the os is normally called, is the local person dressed in flowing robes wearing a mask with a grotesque but uh, colourful a caricature of a horse. So in Oxford, May Day morning is celebrated from the top of the Magdalen College Tower. By singing of a latin hymn or carol of thanksgiving after this the college bells signal the start of the morris dancing which i've been practicing for weeks let me tell you that uh, further north in castleton derbyshire oak apple day takes place on the 29th of may commemorating the restoration of charles ii to the throne followers within the procession carry sprigs of oak recalling the story of the exile of charles charles who hid in an oak tree to avoid capture by his enemies And it's important to remember that without the Merry Monarch, May Day celebrations might have come to a premature end in 1660. And of course, we'd never have enough eccentric habits, magic English eccentric habits. So we have the Egremont Crab Fair, Gernon Competition. You'd be forgiven for visualising clawed crustaceans at the words Crab Festival, but this name actually refers to Crab Apples. The Egremont Crab Fair in Cumbria dates from 1267, when King Henry III granted the fair a royal charter. It's one of the oldest fairs of any kind in the world. Its program features a number of weird and wonderful English events, notably the parade of the apple cart, which kicks off the proceedings, but topping them all is the world famous Gurning competition. A common rural tradition, gurning competitions involve contestants attempting to distort their faces into the most revolting, bizarre expressions they possibly can. It's a far cry from the natural beauty which the Lake District is known for. So we've got a gurning competition and a crab fair. It really takes me and puts me in mind of that Calvin Harris song where she's talking about fish or was it about having crabs? People always ask me what I truly miss About the UK. Obviously I miss my mum and dad. My sister. You know. Grandparents. uh, Aunts and uncles. All of that. But I do miss. A lovely fish and chips. On the seaside. Sort of at Blakeney Point. Or um, Wells. Next to the sea. Holcomb Beach. I do love. I love the fish and chips there. The batter. You cannot replace the batter. You, You just can't get batter. In the US. Like the British batter but something else you have a bag of chips I mean first it's wrapped in newspaper you know which you would never see uh, in in the US but then uh, you also get in the chip bags very oily chip bags beautiful crunchy chips and at the bottom you have it's like digging for gold and then you finally reach it and you have these crunchy little pieces of chip at the bottom, that are sort of caramelized, they're like little crunchy pieces of joy right at the bottom of the chip bag, and I truly miss that. And you can't replicate it. I mean, I had a few little little pieces of potato this morning when I made myself a breakfast burrito. I was thinking, you know what? This isn't that far. It's not a million miles away from um, from uh, you know the chip bag, but. Uh, it's still probably a thousand miles, I would say. The chips at the bottom of the chippy bag had me reminiscing. And it made me think of the perfect song to soundtrack the, uh, the trip that you have when you're looking for the fish and chips and the lovely piece of cod or place or paddock, whatever you like. And it's a day trip to Bangor with the best band title in the world, Fiddler's Dram. And some of the lyrics go like this. Didn't we have a lovely time the day we went to Bangor? A beautiful day we had lunch all the way and all under a pound, you know. But on the way back, I cuddled with Jack and we opened a bottle of cider. Singing a few of our favourite songs as the wheels went around. Did you recall the thrill of it all as we walked around the sea ground? And then the sand, we heard the brass band that called the diddly Bump terrara. Elsie and me had a cup of tea and then we took the paddler boat out. Splashing around, we sat on the bay and the wheels went around. Are we all yet sick of the whole Zoom call? I mean, it's getting rather annoying. The uh, Zoom socials, the uh, Zoom happy hours. I mean, I even had the other day, believe it or not, um, I had a virtual escape room where some poor chap was in a haunted house uh, locked in a room with a bunch of clues and we had to get him out, basically. I mean, how ridiculous he got, you know, where he's pointing his camera around. I mean, he even had a, even had a blue light. I mean, well, who carries around a blue light unless they've got something to hide? Or maybe, maybe they're trying to avoid sitting on something that is trying to be hidden. Who knows? But anyway, sick of the whole Zoom thing. Um... But, uh, you know, I, I've tried to make it rather amusing. I do like having my own uh, portrait behind me when I'm on a Zoom call. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, but I was going to put up a, a rather lovely painting that a, a very old ex-girlfriend painted for me. Um, that In the beginning, when I first saw it, it looked remarkably like me. And as time progressed, it got worse and worse as she got more angry with me and closer to breaking up with me. So in the end, she uh, painted a picture and I... Turned out like I looked blue. I look like, uh, you know, Mr. Spock or something from Star Trek, but I was completely blue. Uh, the only thing you could tell with my eyes and my curly hair. That was about it. But everything else was blue. Trump or trombone appears yet again, where we take some of the worst crimes of the week and equate it to a raspy trombone or a rather vicious trump. Um, a woman has been charged with embezzlement for failing to return a VHS video she allegedly rented 21 years ago. Cannon McBride said she thought she was going to have a heart attack after being arrested over the late return of Sabrina the Teenage Witch video. Court documents revealed McBride is alleged to have rented the VHS cassette from the movie place in Norman, Oklahoma in the US in March 2000. The store closed in 2008. The first thing she told me it was a felony embezzlement and she was, thought she was going to have a, literally a heart attack. Well, wasn't that the last time Sabrina was watched by anyone? Thank God it wasn't a 21-year-old video in a crusty brown paper bag. Okay, so we're going to play a little new game here. We don't actually have the trumple trombone headline, but we have the punchline. So you have to scour all those wonderfully funny eccentric stories in the UK and see if you can find the headline. A little game for you if you're feeling a little bit bored. Or if you're still in lockdown somewhere. So here's the punchline I would prefer to see handbags at dawn for Tarquin and Rupert, a true War of the Roses. Oh, oh, Merry Christmas. When it comes to weddings, the focus should be on the happy couple after it's their big day. But sometimes there's some people who just can't help themselves and have to steal the spotlight. It makes sense if you have big news or your nearest and dearest are likely to gather at the same place at the same time so you could do it all at once. Though I don't recommend you do it without getting permission from the bride and groom first. You could put a dampener on the occasion. This is a situation one woman claims to have after her mother-in-law decided to make a big announcement during the speeches. The unnamed woman explained how she and her husband had a small wedding during the pandemic and uh, had planned to tell their loved ones they were expecting a baby. But before her husband could take the toast, his mother-in-law had a turn uh, talking. The couple didn't stop her as they thought she was going to say something nice about them uh, as they announced they were going to be pregnant. The poor bride was not happy and claimed she has not spoken to her mother-in-law since the wedding uh, and uh, when the mother-in-law did announce that she, in fact, was pregnant. She announced that she was having a baby. She's still pretty young and very healthy, but it was a huge shock and completely took over the night. I discovered a movie last weekend that I'd never seen before. I was a little bit skeptical of the movie before it started, but it was an absolute delight. So if you like Naked Gun, Aeroplane, all of those, you'd love this movie. It's top secret with a very young Val Kilmer from 1984. And the and the plot says popular and Dash, an American singer Nick Rivers Val Kilmer travels to East Germany to perform in a music festival. When he loses his heart to the gorgeous Hilary Flamand, he finds himself caught up in an underground resistance mu- movement. It almost it seems like similar. They took the plot part of the plot from Octopussy, other than the clowns and the Faberge AA and made uh, another movie um that octopussy was funny in its own way but probably not intentionally um but uh, some of the critics say although there's no question this is a free swinging spoof it runs out of steam it is a wonderfully flake example of what hollywood has to offer uh, not as half as funny as aeroplane but still a lot more clever than the movie comedies made today um, with less jokes a, a second than aeroplane uh, but it was shot in every direction to see that it could be a hit. This is a decent spoof of spy movies, as more Mel Brooks and Marx Brothers, and less irregular than that movie. Even though it's not nearly as memorable, and it's a wonderfully absurd barrage of nonsensical gags. Uh, considering how popular the other Zucker and Abrams comedies are, you think Top Secret uh, would be better remembered. Uh, but it's all, maybe because the film has barely any plot. But who really cares? It's hilarious. If you want to know about the wonders of a healthy pelvic floor, you could do worse than look to Coco Berlin, who styles herself as Germany's most famous belly dancer. Berlin started belly dancing in 2002, and it wasn't until a few years later when she went to Egypt to study dances there that she wondered why they were so much better. She concluded they were seriously in touch with their pelvic floor. Something I definitely need to get in touch with. The internal muscular structure that supports the internal organs and prevents incontinence and other important functions. When I connected to my pelvic floor for the first time in my life, I had this feeling of embodiment. It improved her dancing. It felt like uh, mimicry, but also affected the rest of her life. I had the great feeling about my own body. Her enjoyment of sex was greatly improved, and she felt stronger and less stressed. And she thinks it's the prime reason why people assume that she's much younger than she really is. Berlin is about to release the English translation of her book Pussy Yoga. And I think that she sees that we wince a little at the title to share enthusiasm for the pelvic floor health. Normally, the pelvic floor is something that you only get in touch with when you're pregnant, incontinent or have other issues. It was such a fringe topic. Luckily, not a bush topic. Once again, on the podcast, we've covered a variety of topics, from pelvic floor to getting your Maypole up. So hope you've enjoyed it. As always, uh, we'll be back again next Friday. Uh, You can listen to the Musical Emporium Butler edition uh, on Spotify, or you can listen to the audio version on every other platform. And there's also an audio version on Spotify too. So if you want to just listen to my ramblings constantly, if it's like an earworm to you, then uh, then you can just listen to the audio version but it's uh keep calm and cauliflower cheese uh, on instagram at keep cheese on twitter if you want to follow the nonsense and the shenanigans throughout the weekend um, but uh, we're going to be uh, finishing soon uh, with a little poem we're going to have a short snippet of Ro- ralph waldo emerson's mayday it's an incredibly long poem but i'm just going to give you a taster of it Daughter of heaven and earth, coy spring with sudden passion languishing. Teaching barren moors to smile, painting pictures mile on mile. Holds a cup with cowslip wreaths, whence a smokeless incense breathes. The air of is full of whistlings bland. What are, I have I heard out of the hazy land? Harp of the wind, or song of the bird, or vagrant booming of the air. Voice of the meteor lost in a day, such tidings of the starry sphere. Can this elastic air convey, or haply twas the cannonade, Of the pent and darkened lake cooled by the pendants mountain shade, Whose deep, till beams of noonday break, afflicted moan and latest hold, Even in May the iceberg cold was its squirrel's pettish bark or clarinet of jay, Or hark, where yon wedged line the nester leads, Staring north of raucous cry, through tracts and provinces of sky, Every night alighting down in new moonscapes, of romance where darkling feed the clamorous clans by lonely lakes to men unknown come the tumult whence it will voice of sport or rush of wings it is a sound it is a token that the marble sleep is broken and the chance has passed on things when i late i walked in earlier days all was stiff and stark knee deep snows choked all the ways in the sky no spark firm braced i sought my ancient woods struggling through the drifted roads the whitened desert knew me not snow ridges masked each darling spot the summer dells by genius haunted one arctic moon is disenchanted all the sweet secrets therein hid by fancy ghastly spells undid eldest mason frosted piled swift cathedrals in the wild the piney hosts were sheeted ghosts in the starlit minster isled I found no joy the icy wind might rule the forest to his mind, who would freeze on frozen lakes back to books and sheltered home, and wood-fire flickering on the walls, to hear mid our talk and games. Without the baffled north wind calls, but soft as sultry morning breaks, the ground pines wash their rusty green, the maple tops their crimson tint, on the soft path each track is seen, the girl's foot leaves a neater print, the pebbled loosened from the frost, Ask of the urchin to be tossed. In flint and marble beats a heart. The kind earth takes her children's part. The green lane is a schoolboy's friend. Low leaves his quarrel apprehend. Fresh to the ground loves his top and ball. The air rings jocund to his core. The brimming brook invites a leap. He dives the hollow, climbs the steep. The youth sees omens where he goes, the speaks of languages. the rose. The woodfly mocks the tiny voice, the fire halloo of human voice, the perfume berry on the spray, smacks of faint memories far away. The subtle chain of countless rings the next into the farthest brings, and striving to the man, the worm, the mounts, through the spires of foam. The caged linnet in the spring hearkens for the chloral glee, When his fellows on the wing migrate from the southern sea, When trestle-grapes their flowers a mask, the newborn trendles twine, The old darkling in the cask feels the bloom of the living vine, The bursts and the hoops of the hinter spring, so perchance in Adam's race, Of Eden's boa some dreamlike trace, Survived the flight and swarm of flood, And wakes the wish in youngest blood, to tread the forfeit paradise and feed once more exile's eyes and feed and ever when the happy child in may beholds a blooming wild and hears in heaven the bluebird sing onward he cries your basket spring in the field is air more mild and o oh, hazy crest is eden's balmiest spring cheerio o oh fair listing folk